Canine Cast number 60 is brought to you by Home Again Pet Recovery Service and ID Microchips on the web at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter with your Canine Cast recap. In case you missed the last Canine Cast, Canine Cast number 59. We had a discussion about the raw food diet for dogs, or B-A-R-F, in some circles. Talked about a story about pet detectives and even went over Toby's story. Thanks, Walter. Today on the Canine Cast, we're going to start off with uh, another little story involving Toby. Uh, We went to a Chihuahua meetup here uh, for people in the New England area today, so that was kind of neat, and we'll share our experiences with that with you. We also got a story from Daniel. Um, He actually sent us a link to a story about a very special Great Dane, and we have a question on how to choose a veterinarian. So uh, to start off, like I said, we wanted to share with you our experience today. We went to a Chihuahua meetup, which was which was so very interesting. Um, Toby, for those of you who may, who may be unaware, um, we believe that he is a Chihuahua mix because he he has he has a number of Chihuahua traits. He also has a number of traits that can be attributed to one of a, a whole bunch of other breeds, um, but. He basically he's he's Chihuahua-ish looking, but he's about twice the size of what a Chihuahua is supposed to be. So he's well, he's still a small dog. He's large uh, for a Chihuahua, and he also um, you know he doesn't have quite the the round head that they that they normally do. Some some other things that kind of show him to be a little bit different. But um, you know, since he's a mix, then that's close enough for us to go to this group and um, allow him to meet up with um, other dogs. It was held at a local shelter. They have a, a really, really nice setup there with a with um, some buildings that are used for, you know, training and education and that kind of thing. So they allowed the group to use one of the rooms. And we ba- basically went in there and there were a bunch of chihuahuas and other chihuahua mixes running around. So, um, you know, we just kind of let him go and meet all the other dogs. And uh, it seemed it seemed like he had a really good time. It, it was one of the few times in his life that he's been the big dog on the block. That's right. Although there were some other ones that were almost his size or bigger. But it was the most interesting thing for me was just to see how many traits the other dogs had in common with Toby, or rather the other way around. You know, we saw other dogs, you know, behaving in ways that I thought that were just ticks that Toby had, but maybe it's just a Chihuahua thing or a small dog thing. Yes, yes, it, and 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 it really is amazing to see when I mean, when you when you have a dog that's well either either of a certain breed or even of you know mixed breeds, and you're trying to you know look for similarities with you know other types of breeds that you think they might be. Um, it's it's amazing because every dog has their own personality and their own quirks, definitely. But then to see you know some of these things that we thought were just Toby quirks, um, you know, presented in these other dogs. For for example. One thing that um, that Walter noticed is that Toby he's much better about this now. But when we first got him, um, if you if you reached out to him, he would kind of shy away from you. Um, so we didn't we didn't really know why that was. Especially but if, over his head. Ex- yeah, especially over his head. Now, of course, you know, being a rescue, you kind of never know entirely what their background is. But we're you know we're under the impression he didn't have 
the greatest background from what we had been told by the rescue when we got him. So, you know, we figured that was just a Toby thing, and we've worked with him um, on it through the years, and we've taught him, you know, to kind of sit in front of people and stay there so that when people do reach for him, he doesn't dance away quite as much as he used to. But, uh, but today, it was amazing because we're sitting on the floor, and these dogs would come up, and they're very friendly. They would come, you know, give you kisses. They might even climb right into your lap. But as soon as you reached out your hand to pet them, they would do the thing where they danced away. It was the exact same movements and, and motions and, and feeling. It was just like, okay, wow, that's not just Toby, for sure. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was that. And also, uh, I don't know if we've... I, I, th- I believe we've mentioned this on the show before, um, that Toby... And, and his back left leg has a dislocated fabella, which is one of the knee joints um, that causes him to do a little skip. It doesn't seem to, to hurt him at all. But, um, but because of it, you know, we retired him from agility kind of just as he was getting started, um, just because we don't, want to, we don't want to exacerbate that or make it worse. Um, and that's another thing that we, that we saw today in a, in a couple of the other dogs, that they had that same kind of a skip in their back legs as well. So that was a so that was an, another similarity, but just you know some some different things that we you know that we hadn't necessarily attributed to you know him being you know smaller or two hour or so on, um, but that so many of the other dogs were displaying that we figure it's probably you know either a breed thing or a dog type thing. So that was that was really really neat to see. And we also brought Kyler along because we didn't want to leave her home alone, and uh, she just kind of hung out under a table next to us and uh, let all the other little dogs do their own thing. But she really did want to go out there and, and play, but we were just afraid it would be like a bowling ball with a bunch of pins <laughs> in the middle. Well, she, she's actually, she's very, very gentle, um, and v- well, just in general, and very good with smaller dogs. I mean, that's, that's part of why she came to, uh, to be our dog. But, um, but you know, for the, for the other people there with their small dogs, um, you know, they didn't necessarily know that, and their dogs didn't necessarily know that. And a number of the dogs, it seemed, were not real comfortable with the idea of a big dog. So I don't know if it's that they haven't been exposed to big dogs before, or maybe they had been and had bad experiences. So we just we just had her kind of hang out, you know, by us, and it was so cute because we just had her down staying while we were there. And every every now and then, one of the little chihuahuas would just kind of, you know, get up get up its nerve and come over and sniff and kind of, you know, walk walk around and and not try like play with her a little a little bit just kind of to test the waters and she was she was so good she just kind of sniffed back and you know said hello so it was a really positive experience we think for some of those for some of those dogs and actually um the the person who had put this whole thing together said you know she thought that it was it was probably pretty good you know being that we had kyler there and kyler so well behaved around these guys that was probably a good experience for some of the smaller dogs who hadn't been around big dogs to you know to have her there and be able to have a positive experience with her so uh it was just it it was just so much fun but um you know the the fun the funniest thing was you know watching all of these all these little dogs running around and you know toby running around with them and just saying you know very, very rarely in our lives do we think of Toby as being just absolutely tremendous. As a, he's, you know, an 11-pound dog. Not, not normally what you think of as tremendous, but when you put him with a bunch of other dogs that are, you know, six, seven pounds max, then he looks a lot bigger. And Kyler is starting to look like a Great Dane after visiting with those small dogs all day long. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the truth. She looked like Gulliver in the land of Lilliput there. Very, very cute. But uh, actually, speaking of Great Danes, uh, we do have a, uh, well, a link to a story 
from one of our listeners, Daniel. Um, he sent he sent this in actually through our website. And he writes in. Hey guys, I was listening to Canine Cast number fifty six, and the part about the War Dog Memorial brought to mind the story about Just Nuisance, a Great Dane which was actually enlisted in the Royal Navy. Check out the article. It was really fun and touching read. And hey, can you tell we're completely obsessed with Great Danes? That's right, because Daniel and Lucila just got a new puppy. Right, Tallulah. That we showed on the Canine Cast a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they've and they've written us, um, you know, some different things about Great Danes a couple of times. But uh, this this story is really really neat, and I'd never heard it before. This is this is about a able seaman, just nuisance of the Royal Navy. Uh, he was a Great Dane in Simonstown, which is apparently close to Cape Town in South Africa. Now he um, he was around. Well, they 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 say that by all accounts. Uh, he was born on the f- the 1st of April in 1937. So this story takes place back in the uh, the late 30s, early 1940s. Um, he was he had he had an owner who who ran the United Services Institute in Simonstown, which was which was visited um, mainly by the Royal Navy sailors because apparently um, at that time the Royal Navy was in charge of the naval base there at Simonstown. So. So this this Great Dane, you know, from the time he was a pup, got to know all of these sailors, and he was a very friendly dog, and the sailors were friendly with him, and he just became a favorite amongst them. They would, you know, take him for walks and play with him and feed him little morsels of their food. So he just, you know, eventually decided that if the person was a sailor, then it was his friend. Now, um, apparently, the dog was kind of allowed to wander, which... Um, I don't. I don't know in South Africa if that's something that they still do today. But I know. But I know that you know, back you know that many years ago, it was much more common here um, in America for dogs to just kind of you know wander around. So what this what this guy would do is you know he would follow his friends the sailors kind of you know all over the place. Uh, he would, including uh, occasionally onto you know the the naval base and the sh- and the ships there and the dockyards. And actually, the the way that he got his name, apparently Just Nuisance wasn't his original name. But, but according to the story here, his favorite spot to lay on was the deck um, on, the, on the ship right at the top of the gangplank. So, you know, since he's a Great Dane, he's a very, very large dog, it was difficult for people to get around him. And he didn't really want to have to get up and move. So the sailors would say, ah, you know, you're just a, a nuisance you know, why are you laying here all the time? And, you know, that's how of his all name places. Yeah, of all places, right, right at the top of the gangplank. So, um, so he became just nuisance. Well, the sailors would go, would go into Cape Town, which would involve getting on the train. Um, Cape Town was, you know, about 20 some odd miles away. So, th- so they would ride on the train and just nuisance, you know, wanting to follow his friends everywhere, would follow them onto the train. And apparently this caused quite some problems with the ticket collectors because he, well, he didn't have a ticket. And although he was with his, his friends, the sailors, he wasn't, you know, technically accompanied by his person. And, and, you know, it doesn't even, it doesn't really say whether or not dogs were even supposed to be allowed on the trains in any circumstances. So apparently this caused some problems with the, um, with the, the train, with the train company um, and they, you know, they got in touch with the dog's owner and told the dog's owner, "Look, you you need to confine your dog or keep him from getting on these trains because this is just not okay." 
Well, apparently the owner did not do that because the dog kept getting on the trains to the point where the the railway finally, um, you know, said that they were going to have to put the dog down because this was a problem for them. Now, the sailors, of course, you know, were, you know, this dog was just like a favorite amongst all of them. So there was, there's a huge outcry. They wrote to their commander in chief about the problem. So the commander in chief decided to enlist the dog in the Royal Navy. Um, part of the part of the reason being that this um, that volunteers during the war got an, a free pass on the trains. So so if he's enlisted, then he's you know entitled to a free pass on the trains. So that's how they fixed the situation. Um, now he was enlisted a little bit after he was two years old. Um, you know, and that's when you know his his actual um, you know name. For, on his enlistment forms, you know, were, were just, he went through a physical and everything and kind of became the, the mascot for the sailors on the, on the ship in this, in this naval base. Um, from, the, from there, he actually was upgraded. He at first started out as ordinary seaman, upgraded to able seaman, which allowed him to get naval rations as well. So that, that was nice. He gets, got goodies for it. And he often would um, march with the sailors in parades wearing his seaman's cap. So uh, he became quite the celebrity, um, very, very well known. And, um, you know, it, the, the article is really cute. It goes on to give um, all, all types of, you know, of interesting stories about, you know, his, his, his various things that he did and um, some, of his, some of his adventures as a, as a Navy man. Um, part part of this at one point there was even a wedding where he was married to another great Dane. Um, yeah, very 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 interesting life that this dog led. Um, and there there was a book that was written about him, as well as postcards that were used to raise um, sums of money, essentially uh, for the for the Navy, I believe. Although they don't um, they don't get into detail exactly what that was about. But they but they talk about how, uh, you know, he even had a conduct sheet from times when he did things that were frowned upon, um, so on and so forth, until finally in um, 1944, he, uh, at, at some point in his life, he'd had a motor accident and uh, he, he started to become paralyzed from complications from the motor accident. So, and uh, in April of 1944, they they decided to put him to sleep because he wasn't doing very well. And he even um, was given was given um, a full military funeral with military honors. And now there's a statue honoring him in Simonstown to this day. They have a just nuisance commemoration day parade on the first of April now, um, and that's a, that's a, an annual event. I believe the uh, the article says it will probably become an annual event, but it's but it seems like it has at this point. And they also have um, they also have a bunch of Great Danes that get together and they have a just nuisance lookalike competition there now. So so yeah, so a, a celebrity a celebrity dog that um, wasn't he, he wasn't he wasn't a dog that actually uh, you know fought or worked in the war, but was you know a, a great mascot and sounds like morale booster. For a lot of the men around the time of um, of the war, so so thank you so much, Daniel, for sending in that story. We'll of course have the link for ev- for everybody so that you can read the full story. And there are some other web pages about him as well. It's just such a, such a very very neat story to read about. Um, we'll have that 
for you in the Enhanced Podcast and also linked on the Canine Cast website. And if you are liking the story of Just Nuisance, you should check out Canine Cast number nine, where we talked about the most decorated U.S. war dog named Stubby. So be sure to check that one out as well. Yes, thanks, thanks, Walter. It's, it's kind of neat to hear about all these different dogs that have, um, you know, that have done lots of lots of different things, uh, especially especially you know in these types of situations where they, you know, where they they do they do great things not only um, you know in their work but just in you know being such wonderful wonderful companions to all that are involved. And thanks again, Daniel, for sending that in. Um, next, we have a listener question. This is an email from Nikki. She writes, A lot of people that I know recently have been disappointed in their veterinarians. Maybe you might have some suggestions, especially for new pet parents, on what to look for in a good vet. Well, Nikki, that's actually a situation that we're kind of going through right now ourselves. Um, so we, we just moved, and Toby, luckily for us, is uh, showing the, the classic signs of having a bladder infection. So... We are uh, we're kind of in the process of finding a vet that will be able to help us with that very very soon ourselves. Um, so he, so I do have some tips for uh, for choosing a veterinarian, and yeah, it's it's not uncommon, um, you know, as as a pet par- parent, whether you've whether you've just um, you know you've just adopted a pet or if you've had one for years to you know be looking for a veterinarian, you know, maybe because you're you know new new to being a pet parent or because you're switching for you know a number of reasons so uh, the best the best way that I would that I would um, say to start looking for a veterinarian is just to kind of ask anybody that you that you know of who is involved in do- in dog care that can be that can be anyone from um, from other friends and relatives to um, you can call you can call um, animal shelters a lot of times they'll have recommendations or um, pet rescues in the area. Now, if you've if you've adopted a pet from either either a reputable breeder or from a rescue, then chances are these people have worked with you know either either the breed that you've gotten or you know with with different dog breeds in in some of the cases of all breed rescues, and will have a lot of experience with one or a few vets in your area. So so they're a great resource of information. Um, if you if you have any type of a of dog trainers or dog clubs in your area, they often will be able to direct you towards good vets as well. Now, um, when you when you find a really really good vet or you know one that's one um, you know a name that comes up a lot, that person can be invaluable. I know when uh, when we lived in Florida, a lot of people with the dog club um, would travel 45 minutes away. Um, for this one particular vet that was that was just really really excellent, so um, you know, but you know, but of course you know you wouldn't necessarily come across this vet unless you talk to other people who happen to know to know of her. So um, so that's why you know the first thing to do is to ask people in your area. Now, if you don't um, you know if you don't, if you don't know anybody in your area yet, um, one thing that you can't that you can do if you are just you know starting your search, of course, is you can look for um, veterinarians that just happen to be nearby you, and that's you know that's never a bad way to start either. 
um, there there is a lot to be said for having a good veterinarian that you can see who is near you because if you do have an emergency then you know even if your favorite vet is 45 minutes away in an emergency there's a lot to be said for being able to get to somebody in five or ten minutes to you know stabilize your dog right away that can make all the difference in um in your dog's care so um so that's another thing to keep in mind as well there are a lot of things to to look for once you've actually kind of narrowed your search down, you have you know the names of some vets that you that you now want to um, visit. Uh, we do recommend that you you know try try to visit a vet before your dog is ill, or you know at the at the very least, um, you know before before your dog is you know very ill or has an emergency or that kind of thing, so that that um, you know first of all the veterinarian can become familiar with your dog when your dog is healthy and also so that you have a chance to just kind of visit with the vet and see if this is somebody that you want to treat your dog. Um, now there's a, there's a webpage that I have here from the Humane Society of the United States. And, I, and wow, I'm just, I'm just realizing more and more that the Humane Society and the ASPCA, they both have such, such great information out there on the web for pet parents. In any case, this one we have is from the Humane Society. Um, and what they say is to look for, you know, for the facility, you want to make sure that it's clean, it's comfortable, it's organized. Um, now, I mean, it can be, it can be newer or older. I mean, they've, you know, they've been around for, you know, different, different amounts of time, especially depending on where you are. But, you know, you just, you just want to find a place that's, you know, that's well-maintained. And it is, it's absolutely reasonable for you to ask, you know, before you bring your animal in there to set up an appointment that you might be able to meet with the vets, meet with the staff and actually get a tour of the facility so that you can see what things they have to offer there. Most veterinarians will be perfectly happy to, you know, to show you and actually probably be kind of proud to show off their facility and their different um, abilities that they, you know, different things that they can do for you there. Uh, some veterinary hospitals are members of the American Animal Hospital Association. If, if they are, you'll probably see a, a certificate somewhere in the office that says AAHA. Um, that me that membership means that the that the veterinary hospital has met the AAHA standards. It's it's something that vo that's voluntary that they just you know go ahead and do because they do want to be you know held to these standards, um, and that and these standards are in a variety of different of different things. Now, not all veterinarian offices will be AAHA. It's not bad if one isn't. Um, it just it just means that there may be certain things that this particular clinic doesn't offer that an, an AHA clinic would offer. So, you know, so keep that in mind while, while you're looking in the, the, um, the sheet from the Humane Society goes into that in a little bit, a little bit more detail. Um, now, um, other things that you look for, um, ask if appointments are required for them to see your dog. Mo most places, you know, they'll, they'll prefer that you make an appointment if at all possible. Um, you know, but, but a lot of them, of course, you know, if they have, if you have an emergency, then, you know, they'll probably just make a speedy appointment for you, but find out what their policy is for that. Um, so that you know what to expect when you're going in there. Uh, you may want to find out how many veterinarians there are in the practice and what their um, policies are regarding the different vet veterinarians. Um, as with a lot of, you know, people, um, medical, um, practitioners these days, a lot of the veterinary practitioners are kind of getting together and forming um, and forming practices where there will be multiple vet veterinarians. Um, now there are there are pros and cons to this, but um, 
for for us, we always prefer uh, to to meet a vet a veterinarian that we really really like, even at a practice where there's multiple veterinarians, um, and try to see that person as much as possible. Just because that way, that person gets more familiar with your dog, um, and you know we feel maybe more able to you know then compare your dog when your dog is sick to your dog when your dog is well. Now, having other people there who are also really good veterinarians is also a great thing as a backup. So in case for some reason, you know, you have an emergency when your normal veterinarian isn't there, well, you can still go into the same practice where it is still familiar to your dog. Um, you may get, you know, another veterinarian, but, you know, but that's fine because, you know, you have that as a backup rather than having to go to a different clinic altogether. Um, Oh, and on that note as well, you'll want to find out the clinic that you're choosing. There are there are certain clinics in almost every area that will be open 24 hours or will be in a specific emergency clinic. So they may be open during the, you know, the odd hours that other ones aren't. Um, find out, first of all, if yours is one of those, then um, if, it, if it is, then, you know, that's great. That's a familiar place for you. If it's not, then do find out where the emergency clinics are in your area and go visit them sometime when your dog is perfectly well. Because if, you know, if you do have an emergency with your dog, you don't want to have to be finding these places, you know, at two in the morning while your dog is really sick and you're worried. So it's really helpful if you know how to get there beforehand. Now, um, other things to look for. Just, you know, kind of keep in mind, are the dog and cat cages in separate areas? Now, in some places, there will be different entrances for dogs and cats when you go in. You know, that's, of course, to kind of to kind of um, make it a little bit less stressful for the, you know, the animals and their owners, especially if there are some, some dogs aren't so cat friendly and some cats aren't so dog friendly, um, you know, that kind of thing. But also, you know, in the in the back, you know, look look at that if you get a chance to see whether they are also kept apart back there as well. A lot can be said for you know the people that you're dealing with there, the the staff, the vet, veterinarians. Um, you know, just try to get a feel for you know are they are they caring? Do they seem to you know be there because they like the job? They're concerned with the animals, and do they seem to have a rapport with your animals? I mean, of course, a lot of dogs are a little bit high strung when they go to the vet. It's a different area. It's a different place than normal. They get poked and prodded. Um, It's a good idea to take your dog there when your dog is well so that the dog, you know, just gets used to all the friendly people there and also, you know, has a good has a good impression of the place and has some positive associations. But um, but at the same time, you know, if you're if your dog's sick, your dog's going to be stressed out around you include, you know, and and that'll be, you know, even more so for other people. So, so a staff that is, you know, that's friendly and that your dog is comfortable with will really, really help a lot, as well as, of course, if you're comfortable with them as well. Um, we've, you know, in our various searches in the past, you know, we've, we've come across some, um, some veterinarians that we loved because they just had such a great, uh, you know, um, bedside manner, for lack of a better term with, you know, with our dogs and some other ones where that was kind of, you know, they may have been great veterinarians, but that was kind of a little bit lacking. So uh, for us, that's always been something important that, you know, that we feel comfortable with the vet and our dogs are comfortable with them as well. Um, Something that, that may apply to your particular situation is whether the veterinarian has any special interests um, or, or any special certifications and such, um, depending on what your dog's situation is. 
For for example, if your dog is older than a veterinarian that specializes in geriatrics, maybe something that's good for you. In some places, they have um, veterinary behaviorists, which you know might be great if you have you know some certain issues that you're trying to work on with your dog. Um, and one of our one of our veterinarians that we had before was an oncology specialist, which was you know something that was which was something that we thought was really neat in you know just in case we would have ever needed it. So it's so it's great to know what specialties your veterinarian um, that you're that or the veterinarian that you're uh, speaking with has to offer. Now and. And, and often over, well, and some, some people tend to overlook this part and some people tend to be very, very focused on this part, um, the fees that the veterinarian charges. There's nothing wrong with asking for upfront what the fees are going to be and to kind of see how everything is broken down. Um, you'll want to, of course, make sure that the fees, you know, fit your budget. However, at the same time, also keep in mind all of the other things surrounding the veterinarian office um, because... You know, sometimes sometimes the vet veterinarian who has the lowest fees is you know the best veterinarian for you. Sometimes it's not, and if you you know if you find the vet veterinarian who has you know great fees, but you're just not you know as comfortable with them as you would like to be, then it's you know many many times well worth the extra money to see another veterinarian who you are more comfortable with, who your dog is more comfortable with, because, you know, you may get, you may get better care because you'll feel um, better able to communicate with that person. Um, and in that way, you may end up saving money in the long run. Um, now, along with fees, if you can find out how they do testing in, in this office, um, and by testing, I'm talking about, you know, x-rays and, and blood work um, the, and, you know, some small some small um, surgical tests, that kind of thing. Because if they if they can do them in house, then it'll tend to be cheaper for you than if they have to send them out to some type of a lab or a specialist. Um, but you know, but that just depends on that just depends on you. It, you may find a veterinarian that overall the fees are a lot lower, simply because they don't have those capabilities in that office. So you know, just kind of you know find out what the capabilities are and what the costs are and then you can judge to see what will be best for you um, you also want to find out of course you know what the lo what the location is and in reference to where you are at at different times you know what the location is in reference to work in reference to home you know and just just make sure that it's that it is um, convenient enough that you can get there because um like well I said before it, it's you know it's well worth driving a few extra miles if it's going you know if it's going to mean the difference between having a vet that's okay versus a vet that you absolutely love. Um, but do keep but do keep in mind so far as emergency services that you, that if if your um, preferred veterinarian is farther away, you're going to kind of want to have a backup in mind in case you have um, a situation where you need to rush your dog to just the nearest available place. So um so those are some things to think about when, you know, when you're choosing a veterinarian and, you know, and like I said before, it's completely reasonable to, you know, call in and try to set up some type of an appointment to meet with um, the veterinarians, the staff, and see the facility. They may, they may have certain times that they do the appointments, you know, because, of course, you know, you're going to want to make sure that it's not at a time where they're, do, you know, doing some type of very delicate surgery or, or that kind of thing. But, you know, but most of them will be very, very happy to, you know, to, you know, speak with and meet a prospective client and, um, you know, will do whatever they can to help you. So, uh, so Nikki, for you and you know for your friends who are who are looking for 
vets right now. You know, good luck to all of you, and thank you for writing in to the show. Now we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. A dog's got to do what a dog's got to do. Hey, I should know. I'm a dog. Wolf. And what I got to do is chase squirrels, especially the one digging holes in my yard. Someday soon I'll get free and chase that lawn wrecker right out of town. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again Microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit homeagainpets.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Home Again. And now it's time for listener pictures. These pictures were sent in from a vet who says that she's been doing agility with her dogs for about eight years. She started agility with her dog, Reese, who unfortunately passed away about a little over a year ago, and you can see a picture of a vet's dog, Reese, jumping over a hurdle. Look at that. She looks like she's 10 feet high in that picture, but she's not, I'm sure. Uh, and not now quite. she has a Jack Russell Terrier who is having a blast doing agility, and you can see a picture of the, her Jack Russell named Dasher jumping over a jump that looks like it might not be as high as the picture that Reese is in. And she also included a picture of Lily, who is now 12 and never had a chance to do agility because she had cruciate surgery. What's that, Tara? Uh, cru- cruciate surgery. It's, it's talking about the, uh, the cruciate ligament in the dog. Um, they can, it can get uh, partially uh, or, well, or completely ruptured. It's, it's, um, part, it's a ligament that's in the, that's in the knee. And um, they perform surgery on it just just to make that knee stronger so that the dog can can use it again. But of course, um, you know, as with well many many surgeries specifically, you know, or especially with the joints, then you have to kind of watch the dog's activities and and see what the dog does. Uh, I I knew somebody whose whose dog had um, had ACL surgery actually when the dog was pretty young, and because of that, I believe you know she decided to. Uh, not do agility with the dog as well. She just, you know, went straight into obedience with it. Well, Lily is apparently still active, and uh, Yvette says that she loves to retrieve her plastic dummy, and in the picture you can see Lily proudly holding on to her retrieval dummy. It's really cute. Thanks for those pictures, Yvette. Yes, and, and Lily looks like she's like she's doing just fine and happy. <laughs> so be sure to go to caninecast.com and check those out if you aren't able to see them in the Enhanced Podcast. Yes, and, and thank you so much for sending in the pictures. We just we love um, getting the pictures and being able to share them with all of the listeners, as well as your feedback and your comments and your questions. So, you know, please continue sending those in um, either through our, our email, our website, or, of course, you, know, you can also send us audio comments through our voicemail line. But uh, we just love you know, hearing from you and all of the different activities that you guys are doing out there. So that pretty much wraps up our show for tonight. But thank you, as always, for, you know, for listening to the show and supporting our show. Uh, it's, just, it's just such a great experience to be able to do this. And so until next time, if you haven't already, please stay or new to your dog. It's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please send an email to CanineCast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 206-338-DOGS. And you can leave a comment on our website at caninecast.com.